Jay Matthews, and this is AD Update. All right, this edition of AD Update, we're joined by Kyle Southall. Kyle, you are Director of Sports Science Performance here at Briarwood. Uh, always excited to hear from you about what we're learning and where we're going. Uh, I know we've met a couple of times, but this will actually be both uh, part of our podcast, and then um, we'll also put it on YouTube because I think you have some some info that will uh, that you'll display uh, visually. But again, thanks for all you do for taking care of our athletes, for helping us grow and move forward. So uh, give us an update. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Um, so you know, just just starting to where um, we were two years ago when all this was just a, a concept that was written on a whiteboard, and where we are now, it's it's really exciting the growth and uh, and the opportunities that we've learned. You know, I think you know the things that we thought we would know or the thought we would see at this point, we learned okay, maybe that's not as uh, as important as we thought, and we've learned a lot of other things along the way that has has really helped. You know, everything from the school to the individual athlete and everybody in between. Um, so the biggest updates that we have now is just the, the level of depth that we're in, you know, when we first started, you know, the, the first step of fixing a problem is identifying that there is one. So we, we just spent a pretty good chunk of that first year of one learning how the catapult sensors worked, um, did a lot of, a lot of test and failure and that sort of thing. And then, uh, learning our coding and what, what things actually were important versus what's not. And then, um, second part was just, just studying the injuries. Where were they happening? Um, why were they happening? Um, you know, and learning those intricities and, you know, and keeping the underlying, you know, mission of what we're doing here is maximizing performance while minimizing time loss. That's just, uh, that's where it was. And now we're two and a half years into it. Just the, um, the breadth of what we're doing now is, is phenomenal. You know, we're up to 80, you know, GPS sensors, you know, all of our varsity football players um, were, were in them and even some of the younger athletes were in them so we can track them over time. Um, all of our soccer athletes, both boys and girls, we we did it with cross country in the fall. Um, there's a, a few crossover athletes with track and soccer and some of you know, those various sports that we're looking just to, just to monitor that workload. And then we've even partnered with a, a company where we were piloting some data for inside, you know, so a couple of our basketball girls um, used them. So we we're just able to, to really see, you know, what are they doing and how much are they doing and, and, and objectifying what for years, decades, centuries has been subjective from a coaching standpoint. And, um, and it's just really great, and especially as the culture grows around that the kids are interested, you know, at any given time, you know, I, I have a number of kids come in and say, you know, well, you know, who was the fastest at practice yesterday? What was my top speed? And, you know, how many miles did I run at the tournament over the weekend and that sort of thing. And, and the coaches as well. And, uh, and the feedback that they're getting to, to put these athletes, um, to be successful both on the field and from an injury standpoint um, has been great. Part of our analysis that we look at is these injuries by location. So every time uh, somebody comes in uh, and has us look at an injury, evaluate an injury, um, I look at, you know, the age, the sport, you know, when and the time of the year of their cycle that was as far as, you know, in season, out of season, preseason, um, in the weight room. So the weight room, you know, is a big topic for us right now, just in the, um, the emphasis that we have on the maximizing performance side of things. And so this is a graph by month, by year, um, just with the weight room injury. So we see in, uh, 2020. So in January, for example, in January tends to be the highest months because that's when, um, football is coming back. So we have those eight 
five guys, you know, basketball is ramped up in full. You got preseason soccer's track and field is, is getting in the weight room. Um, and then just all the, the, uh, non-athletes, um, and, and the weight room classes are well, our weight room is pretty well going, uh, day long. So that's why we tend to see that big spike in January. And then we, we tend to see a little spike there again in the summer as we start summer workouts, but, um, we can just see over time, just some of the things that we're doing and evaluating and, and how we're emphasizing, um, technique and timing and macrocycle and, and recovery and all those different components. Um, in 2020, we had 16 um, injuries um, that reported to us. We had 13 last year and, and this year we had two. Um, I thought one of the, uh, the interesting facts uh, about some of the injury stuff and the analysis here is that um, through our patient population, our Briarwood community, you are more likely to slip on a wet step or a, uh, a wooden deck and injure yourself than you were to get injured in our weight room, even with the, uh, the, the great emphasis and exposures and that sort of thing. So um, well, this is just kind of... If I could ask, what are some of those common injuries that you find in, in weight rooms? I'm sure that's common in a number of places. Yeah, absolutely. So typically we see the overuse injuries, um, the muscle strains, um, but then we also tend to see a lot of the chronic injuries of the kids that, you know, they work out with us and they go to practice and they work out their own, that kind of thing. So we see a lot of, a lot of tendinopathies, um, and those sort of things. Um, this year we, we had a little bit of an uptick, which is still that with just, uh, the traumatic injuries. We had one kid that, um, um, the bar was dropped. Um, he wasn't quite ready for it and, and just had a reaction, stuck his hand out and then uh, got pinched. Um, so those are typically what we see as the musculoskeletal injuries, but occasionally we do have those traumas. Yeah. Well, and if we were talking about, you know, maximizing performance and minimizing injuries, I mean, this is a dramatic drop right there. Uh, and, and again, I think there's a lot that goes into it. And uh, a lot of people wouldn't realize that you're, you know, you're kind of watching what's happening in the weight room. You're making sure that our uh, strength conditioning program fits under the latest science and data. Um, why don't we do this? I know you've got some more information to share, but we're in process of hiring a new strength conditioning coach on the guy's side. And we've had a number of candidates come through the school, uh, see our facility. Uh, we feel like we're rounding down to some finalists that will come in for finalist interviews. Uh, in, in terms of all the ones that we've talked to, we're excited about don't you see this being kind of the next big component of sports science performance of what you're encountering with these uh, candidates uh, that could uh, come into the weight room and really help us grow both in men's and women's uh, weightlifting. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, with, with that void of, of having the guy strength and conditioning coach, um, out this fall, you know, we've done a really good job at filling it in and ultimately it's really given us a clean slate to work with. And, and a lot of these things that we're seeing expressed in this graph here, but yes, yeah, some of these candidates that we're getting in, these are, are really high quality candidates. And, and, and it's like, we've discussed with a number of individuals, like we're going to have the, the great problem of having a really hard decision to make because there's just so many great candidates. Um, not just locally, but nationwide and, and throughout the state. So it's been a, uh, it's been a really exciting process and really looking forward to finding that right fit, you know, for the Briarwood culture. 
um, that will do that, that'll, that'll support that mission, that'll, that'll maximize performance, that'll give us another specialist in the weight room that'll be there. That's, that's their job is to be in the weight room the entire time where now it's been kind of distributed through some other coaches and the head coach of the sport. So it just gives us another, um, another hand, another set of eyes and another perspective to um, fulfill our mission and vision. And uh, it's, it's really exciting to see where we can go with it. And doesn't this intersect with what you've been learning from the changes made down to University of Alabama in terms of uh, body weight, velocity, you know, the, for- the force measurements? I mean, we're going to be able to get more objective data for performance output than we probably have ever had in, in our history in terms of uh, really being able to measure what's working and not working in the weight room. But uh, talk a little bit about that. I think that's pretty exciting. Uh, what that next phase is going to look like. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, where we are now, we're really good about collecting the workloads and the GPS work outside and, and a little bit with the, the the people who have piloted the inside sensors. But, you know, the the space that is is the gap that we need to address is in the weight room. We we know the workouts. We know what they're doing, that sort of thing. But what is the actual stress and, and toll um, on the body? But then also what is the actual performance metric? Um, and a lot of these candidates coming in, they, they have a, a specialty, they have a niche um, in, in different section of technologies to, again, objectify these things that have been um, in so long subjective um, and everything from using force plates to identify force locations and outputs to velocity-based training to whole body performance training, kind of getting away from, you know, isolating groups, at least on a macro scale. If somebody's deficient, somebody wants to get some extra work, that's absolutely, you know, they, they are encouraged to do that. Um, but our workouts really encourage explosiveness, being athletic, being faster um, and more explosive and being able to accelerate better, be able to decelerate better, be able to create that separation. Um, but then also to finish, you know, and, and do things in great detail, even when you're fatigued. And um, th- these candidates across the board, they they all, you know, uh, check those boxes and they all believe in that, um, which is a similar belief in what we are. And, and ultimately building that culture and that environment um, in the weight room that is replicated on, on the different sports fields and in the classroom. And we really haven't talked about what all you're going to share, uh, but I do know this in our conversation you mentioned about we found was it a group of girls or whatever that had run like nine miles collectively? Uh, I think you, I may have that information wrong, but go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the other data that you've been discovering that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So um, one of the biggest ones that stuck out to me is, um, you know, and when we're using the GPS data, we can get, you know, a, a load of data. There's 22 different metrics. We've really found that about five or six really tell us what we need to tell. And um, and, and a lot of these things just by grouping. And, and I spend a lot of time just, you know, in between classes at night after Brenly goes to bed, just, just filtering through all this data uh, and what we have and that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's everything from, you know, our, our, our soccer girls, you know, if you look at the, uh, the, the style of play, um, our girls in any given game last year was averaging between seven and nine miles a game. And, 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 you know, and our guys um, the same way, and especially when we start getting into these tournament plays where they're playing multiple games on multiple days or days on consecutive days. I think it was the Foley tournament last year where um, we had nine of our boys soccer players run a marathon spread out in, in a soccer game. They, they ran over 26 miles that weekend and, you know, and having those conversations and, you know, with the different coaches and say, well, I was planning on doing 
doing, you know, a normal Monday practice. Well, by knowing this data, you know, I'd be an absolute fool to, uh, to get them out on the field. So then they adjusted their, you know, recovery. And then they were in the weight room doing some active recovery, came in with us doing some passive recovery and, you know, just, uh, just identifying those things that, you know, um, sometimes you just don't see, or you don't think of from a coaching standpoint. That's, that's really ultimately what I see is I don't make a lot of decisions from that standpoint. I just give the coaches information to best handle their players. And then, you know, if somebody gets injured, once it starts getting into my, you know, uh, world, that's when I make decisions, just creating that firm line, the, the coaches coach, I do the medicine and the performance side of things. I want to talk a little bit about facilities. Uh, you, um, you frequently have people come to Briarwood. I think you host some of the state, uh, you know, trainers meetings here. Uh, we have people from Andrews. You've had different uh, sports organizations come through. And then, of course, we've been taking these strength conditioning coaching candidates through the facilities. And uh, with our auxiliary weight room now, we're about to add more racks. I think we've gone – I think we're going to have like between 22 and 24 workstations or racks. Uh, and then the meeting room facility as well. So talk a little bit about what others are telling you when they come in and they see – you know, how we're setting up uh, to deal both with the injury side of sports and then with the development side of sports and the improvements that uh, have been made in our facility and what's going forward. What what are people saying about what we're doing? Yeah. And, um, yeah, with all those different people coming in, you know, kind of the the underlying theme is there. There, what are what is Barwood doing from this this the the data collection, the novel standpoint? Because there's not a lot of high schools um, doing this, and there's a lot of high schools that are they're doing it in small doses, but they don't know exactly what they're seeing and that kind of thing. So we're really on the cutting edge on a lot of that um, pretty neat stuff. Um, but kind of the reoccurring theme that when these people come in is that they, when they come in over time, they, they love the progress. Um, one of the old, uh, uh, he's a recently retired team physician for, for Alabama. He, he goes, every time we have a meeting here, we have a, uh, typically our board meeting is about every three months or so, um, he goes, every time we're here, something's new. He goes, um, you know, you have new cabinetry, you have new tables, you know, you have a new location, you have a new space for rehab, you know. Um, and, and he goes, you, you see in so many different places where they do this big overhaul and they, they this big upgrade. And then six months later, it's, you know, it's it's old news where, you know, there's that constant improvement. Um, and, and that's a, just a big statement from the administration that we have here is that, you know, in, instead of just doing one big thing and then having it be the same way for 10 years we're going to see that constant improvement and constant on correct because i mean there's some things that we're finding that yeah that sounds really good in concept but then ultimately you know we can benefit from something else smaller instead of that being a you know tens to dozens of thousands of dollars you know correction it's you know a, a few weeks and a few thousand dollars so um and especially from the, the growth side of things in sports medicine. So, you know, when I first started to where we are now, um, you know, we went from having two tables to five treatment tables to four treatment decks. We easily, you know, uh, are four or five times the square footage um, in the technology um, that we have with that and the resources. So that it's exciting to be part of that growth. And it's, and it's exciting to, you know, be one of those schools. Everybody always says they want to take care of their student athletes. They want to take care of their students from a, you know, a learning perspective. But I think one thing we do well here at Briarwood is we actually show that, you know, over time and, um, and it's a constant growth and, and, and that's part of it. Um, but we're part of that growth, not just part of the, you know, lip sync, um, to that growth. 
you know, you're in the classroom as well uh, with students teaching anatomy and a few different things. Talk to us a little bit about from the student perspective, how some of the things we're doing is becoming a part of what they talk about. You know, when they see uh, the catapult numbers and maybe even from a, a, a healthy competitive standpoint, uh, what, are, what are some of the things you're seeing as far as how it's kind of coming into our culture of athletics? Yeah. So, you know, that's always an interesting component because, you know, you know, I'm, I'm with the athletes here and then I go to class and I have a handful of athletes, but they're all hodgepodge, you know, different sports, that kind of thing. And then the, and the non-athletes. And I think one of the biggest things that I see is that um, the students don't understand the, the breadth of what they do, you know, and, and how hard it is to be a, you know, a successful athlete, a successful student and all those sort of things. And um, they kind of take it for granted because that's all they know um, as opposed to uh, the other side of things. And um, the excitement of the non-athletes on some of the stuff that we're doing, like, you know, um, I have three or four students that help me out pretty consistently as far as, you know, the, the data analytics and running reports and that sort of thing. And uh, a few of them are athletes only one of them out of the four is a, is an athlete and um so it's kind of like we're, we're providing an opportunity for students to be involved with athletes athletics without being athletes um you know which if you look at the numbers as far as you know, who will move on to college who will want to be a pro athlete that kind of stuff it, it's it's a gap that we're offering the students that um you know when we talk about when we wrote down all of our, our goals um, two years ago, that wasn't one of them, but that's been a, uh, a blessing as far as a, a side effect. Yeah. Goes. Unintended benefit. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, what, what's next? I mean, we keep talking about, you know, we're kind of midway into what's likely four or five year beginning phase. Um, we're going to get a, a new strength conditioning uh, coach in. So what, what are some of our next steps as you think, think through what's on the horizon for us. Yeah, I think the big thing is that now that we know where a lot of these injuries happening, so it's it's addressing these on the 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 micro scale. Um, and a lot of that will come through the weight room injury prevention and, and expanding that out. Um, the second thing is, as you say, um, fill that strength conditioning position. I, I think that's, you know, it's important. I just highlight how important that position is. My two biggest points now involves, you know, that position and then, um, the symmetrical position on the girl's side and how important they are from that sort of thing. Um, the, the third thing is, is just investigating a more way, um, or a way to better quantify indoor metrics. And I think that's going to be part of a, an indoor GPS system, but then also some of the technology that we're going to add into the weight room and, and some of the resources we have with that. And then kind of beyond that is, you know, looking at what's next once we accomplish those initial goals is, is what can we do to kind of cycle back to the beginning? Okay. Now we know the problems. Now we have the analytics. Well, how do we use them? Um, and, and that'll be kind of that third phase of what we're looking at to, to ultimately fulfill our goal. Yeah, I'm excited to hear a couple of the weightlifting candidates we've talked to, uh, talking about wanting to, you know, include the nutrition training, uh, wanting to make sure that we are uh, doing uh, proper static dynamic uh, flexibility work. Uh, there's just a lot, lot to it. Uh, you know, finally, at some point, I think we're going to have to be able to kind of stand in front of our parents and kind of use your phrase, you know, uh, more is not necessarily better. You know, more is just more because we still have several students who uh, come early, get a lift in, go to practice, and then still utilize outside strength and training, uh, outside nutrition coaches, outside position coaches, 
And we're, we're trying to get a comprehensive system here where uh, those outside resources are used at minimum, or at least we know about them in a way that they're actually helping, not hurting. You want to comment a little bit about that? Because I think we're still seeing uh, both psychological fatigue of athletes being ground uh, down without a lot of uh, rest time, recovery time. And then, of course, we're seeing overuse injuries as well. So uh, I guess we'll kind of conclude with that. Give us a little yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, that's part of the culture that we're in, you know, is that um, individuals, they feel like they constantly need to be doing something in order to be better. And that's not necessarily always the case. The body is is really good at recovering itself if you give it the fuel and the, uh, uh, the setting to do that. And then also, yeah, there's a certain section of our culture that they they feel like if they're if they're not sore after a workout, then they didn't work out hard enough, or it wasn't their max benefit. And, um, there's a pretty famous coach that um, he said, "Well, if the ultimate goal of uh, working out was being sore. I would instead of walking around with a barbell, I'd walk around with a hammer." Um, yeah. So I think just you know building that culture, and and, and ultimately that comes down to education, education of the parents, education of the student athletes. So, you know, we talk specifically with our football team. The football team tends to be the guinea pig of a lot of our things that we're testing out, and you know um, we talk with them about every other week, every third week of saying, "All right, guys." you know, stick to the script. When we, when we map this out in the grand scheme of things, here's what we're trying to accomplish in this three week cycle. You know, it's going to feel lighter than usual. You may not be sore. Um, it's a good thing because it means your body's acclimating to it, but here's what we're trying to do, emphasizing form when you're fatigued and, and that sort of thing. Um, and, and I think the, the, they're really buying into that. And we're always going to have people who, you know, um, will do extra work on the side and that sort of thing. And, and we don't discourage that. We just encourage communication if they do that because because, um, because we're trying to, again, make this, you know, big program that hits all the points that needs to be hit. And, and if you have a deficiency, that's great. And we would encourage that. But at the same time, we don't want you to overwork because, you know, if you get fatigued or if you come in on a testing day to where you're, you're less than ideal, um, whether rested, nutrition, nourished, sore, any of those sort of things, then the testing is going to be awful. Then that's going to throw off your next cycle as far as um, percentages and goals. So, um so we just ask for communication. That's all I ask for. Well, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you, Bailey Fawcett, you know, adding their second trainer this year. Uh, I, I think one of the greatest growths we've had as an athletics program is what's happening in, in your department, the, the sports science performance department. From facility standpoint, from a cultural buy-in, and we still have a long way to go, but we've seen results already in terms of uh, – Sports that traditionally have not embraced weightlifting in-season, off-season, have embraced weightlifting in-season. It, it has helped their performance. Uh, so these are things that people on the outside won't necessarily see, but I, I think the the fruit of all this is um, going to be an even bigger pay, payoff in the future. So, again, we'll check in from time to time. I really appreciate all that you do. You're beloved in the classroom as a teacher um you know you you work just non-stop hours uh, you and bailey both take care of our athletes just uh both in crisis situations and just day-to-day -day care so i can't tell you enough how much i appreciate your ministry and influence here at briarwood and uh, can't wait to see what the future holds absolutely thanks for having me at Briarwood Christian School in Birmingham, Alabama. And each episode of this podcast is dedicated to our coaches, 
volunteers, and other staff members who help us wrestle with what it means to be a Christian, competitive athletics program in contemporary society. Thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of AD Update.